Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS has been providing quality Western wear and horse tack since 1989, and they are proud to be the number one Western store in the USA. From functional and fashionable Western wear and horse tack to essential livestock and horse supplies, NRS carries the products you need at prices you can afford. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. NRS also carries our new line of modern cowboy brand apparel, caps, t-shirts, and hoodies. And for our listeners, use your special discount code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. And remember, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Today's episode is also brought to you by G-Site Solutions. G-Site Solutions is the number one dry fire laser training system. With the best variety of targets from tactical to game strategy, you download and activate the free app to your iPhone or Android. The Elms Plus laser cartridge is the only laser cartridge in the world with replaceable rubber strike pads. This allows you unlimited shots. You can work on your trigger press, your sight picture, your grip, your stance, and your breathing, all in the comfort of your own home while tracking how your accuracy improves. Look, repetition is the mother of skill. And as a former hunter education instructor and certified NRA pistol and range safety officer, I know the importance of consistent training to stay proficient and safe. G-Site Solutions Dry Fire Laser Training System does just that without going to the range and using up expensive ammunition. Head over to g-site.com and check out all their available products. And tell them Dan at the Modern Cowboy Podcast sent you. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer, saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs, twenty thousand dollar horses. Then there's my old stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. Hey everybody, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I'm super excited to have our guest on today, um, Chris Elise. I, I found out about Chris through a mutual friend of ours, Chris. Uh, I believe I was in Montana last summer and uh, was with Chris Douglas and uh, a few other friends. And, and he was just giving me some people that he thought would be really good on the podcast. So he told me about Chris Elise and uh, then I looked him up on, on Instagram and uh, I was just intrigued right away. So the first thing that, that I really noticed about, about Chris was uh, this guy has got cool beyond cool. Okay. So, I mean, if you, you want to know the definition of cool, look it up in the dictionary and you're going to find a picture of Chris Elise standing by his 69 super B uh, along with everything else. But uh, uh, like, I don't normally do a lot of uh, research on, you know, my guests, but I just looked up stuff on Chris and I just found it fascinating. He's a photographer. 
and uh, and many other things, of, of course. But uh, professional photography, he's uh, photographed the NBA and the PBR. And I'm super excited to, to, to talk to him about that. Uh, he also has a passion for uh, old Western movies and, and Western lifestyle. And uh, um, so anyway, I, I'm excited, excited to talk to him. So without any further ado, Chris, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about it and uh, looking forward to this conversation. I apologize to your listener because of my French accent. It might be difficult to understand me sometimes. I'm going to try to slow down my voice so it's better. It's better for people. And my, my wife always say I have a high-pitched voice. My voice makes fun of me. So if I slow down, I get this deep voice. If I get this deep voice, everybody's going to love me. Yes. <laughs> well, it's funny because, uh, you know, I watch a lot of foreign films and I, I love foreign films. So yeah. for me, I'm, I'm so used to listening to different accents and, you know, everything from, you know, Korean to French to German or whatever. So for me, I, I find it intriguing. And, you, and you've got one of those voices anyway. You've got a, you know, a movie voice. So and, and when you just went low like that, you kind of sounded like, you know, some uh, James Bond character. So. Uh, yeah, I can understand you perfectly. I'm sure nobody else will have a problem either. But uh, so so we have a, we have a mutual friend, Chris Douglas, who's uh, we, we talked a little bit before we started recording, who is is one. He's he's an amazing photographer, an amazing artist and, and uh, you know, creator. But he's also, I mean, a real cowboy. I mean, this guy is, you know, hardcore to the to the to the bone cowboy. But um uh, that's how we got connected was through Chris. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, that's when I looked you up on, uh, on Instagram and social media. So, uh, I, I found it fascinating. You were born in France. What, give us your backstory. Tell, tell us, tell us about you and, and, uh, how you got to where you are now. Uh, okay. Yes. So I, I was born in France in 1971 to be precise and to try to get it short, which is always difficult for me. Like I, I talk too, too much and too long, but to try to, to make it a short story, basically, um, I started like back in the day in the 70s when I grew up, we didn't have any internet, obviously. We didn't have cable TV in France. Basically, I have three TV channels my, my entire childhood. We get cable TV. I was around maybe 18, 19 years old. So you spend your whole childhood and your whole life basically with a view of the world through like TV show, movies, and the books you can read. And um, my grandfather, Frenchman who didn't speak one word of English love Western movies. And my grandparents went living 10 minutes from my from my place. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up. And uh, and um I spent a lot of time watching Western movies with my grandfather. And at at six, seven years old, I started this. And it's really the way I started to love America, to have this little window. The TV, the TV window, a system window of America and seeing like the Western killer, seeing the landscape, seeing, seeing like, you know, the cowboy uh, and all this stuff. And, you know, as a little kid, as a little boy, I find it fascinated. And it starts my love and, uh, and, uh, and, um, and will to understand and to learn about America at a very young age. And then, you know, I was basically a nerd when I was a kid, you know, when I was a teenager, I was not the cool guy at all. You know, I got two girlfriends until I was 18 years old and they both break up with me after one month. Like, yeah, you, you're a nice guy. You're not, we're going to stay friends. You know, I was not cool <laughs> enough. So I spent a lot of time in books, you know, and I love America. So I did, I wanted to, to learn everything about it. And, uh, and I learned like, you know, like novel story, like a, a book about the history of America, a book about the West, etc. And that's how I grew up, like fascinated for the country. 
And uh, I wanted to live in the country for a very long time, to live in the USA. But because of my upbringing and because of the way I grew up, it was too much of a big dream for me. So it was kind of like, you know, you kind of like, oh, it would be so cool to live in America. I want to see this country. I love to But you're like, ah, it's not for me. I grew up in a middle town, which would be a small town for, for the USA. And, uh, and most of my childhood with my mother, the single mother, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was kind of like, that, that, that's a big dream. That's not for me. Right. So it took me a while to, uh, to um, try to pursue this dream. It was actually after I was 30 years old. Really? Yeah. So, you, yeah. so you, you didn't come to the States till you were 30. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's weird because even when I started to get it together with my life as a grown up, and it started, at, at, it started at a young age, honestly, but still, you know, I was not thinking I could do this. I was focused on trying to make a living and to have a career, to pursue a job in France. And I was never thinking it's hard for anybody to like find a way in, in life and find a job when you're a young man, etc. You go to college or you don't go to college, or you learn trade, etc. You just focus on on living. You yes. know? Especially when you grow I kind of grow up poor. There's more there's poorer people than me. And I grew up, but like I grew up poor, you know. My my mother was on the minimum wage the entire life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a very happy child because I had my mother was she's an angel and my, and my grandparents really helped. Uh, but, you know, when you have stuff like this, you focus on make your living like where you live and try to make your life better for yourself. You're not going to start to thinking back in the day, I'm end of the 80s and beginning of 90s. I'm not going to start thinking about, oh, I'm going to move to the USA to another country, right. learn the language, learn the culture. I was not focusing on this. I was focusing on making my life. And it happened like at around 30, actually 30 two years old. Uh, I was with a, a girlfriend, you know, I was starting to date a girlfriend and we had a conversation sometime. I, I asked her, what do you want to do in life? What is your big dream? And, you know, and she wanted to be a writer. She was a mm-hmm. journalist. She wanted to be a writer. She said, I'm a journalist, but actually I would love to write books, you know, right. and, you know, I'm not sure I can make it. So I choose this life as a, as a journalist. And she asked me back the question. It was her first date, you know, she asked me, back, well, what, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? I would love to go live in the USA for a few years. And the, the second I say this, I say this, this to her, I like this little voice in my head who say, what? Who the fuck <laughs> just saying this? You know what I mean? I right. had the realization, something was inside me for a long time. and was so obvious. Uh, I started to uh, be in love with America since I was seven years old. And this thing grab, grab, grab. And... It took me like 30 years, 32, I was 32 years old, 32, 33, when finally I, I said it out loud. Out loud. Right. And when I said it, it started something and I had to do it. And yeah. it really was, this moment was a starting, like maybe two years later, I quit, on my, I quit my job and I started to put everything like, I was like, you know what, Chris, if you don't try it, you're going to regret it. You might have a great life. You might be yeah. at some point 60 years old with grandchildren. And, so on, and you're going to look at it and you say, ah, I went on vacation in the USA a few times, but I wish I would have tried to live there. Right. So I decided to, to pursue my dream. Yeah. So well, now, were you, were you a photographer at that time? Is that what your career was? or No, I, at that time, I was a journalist in information and technology. So I was specialized okay. in information security software and hardware. Okay. For corporate environment, so I was very, I was, I was, it was uh, the following of my uh, nerd and geek 
uh, way when I was a, a, a teenager, you know, when uh, when you don't have any girlfriend, you have a lot of time to, right. to learn stuff, to <laughs> learn books. And then I was in computer and fascinated. Yeah, completely geek and nerd, you know. Right. And so and so I became like very specialized in information security, hacking stuff, etc. And I, you know, I had a career as a journalist, and it was a great career. I was working for one of the best uh, magazine in France, which actually was the first information uh, and technology uh, magazine in the world. You know, the first one was was uh, founded in France, actually. So I was doing this, you know, and uh-huh. uh, I love photography. In 1997, my father died and I got some camera from, from him after he died. And, it, and I tried to do photography a little, you know, but right. it was kind of expensive back in the day with the film, etc. And I didn't right. think about pursue this 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 journey as a, as a professional photographer. Right. So no, I was not a photographer. I was writing very um, not boring, but very technical stuff, business right. side and technical on information security. Crazy. So so when now did did you have you have you shifted completely over to. Uh... Um, you know, full uh, photographer, is that your full profession or do you do anything in tech now still besides what's involved with? No, like when I started to think like, okay, I'm going to need to pursue this dream. That's too stupid. You have one life. You need, you need to try it. You love this country too much. You love everything. You're fascinated. Time to have a reality check and, and go see for yourself. When I decided right. to do this, I'm going to make it, I'm going to try to make it quick again. But yeah, basically I, I say it, it kind of like, there were no boundaries anymore. Right. So when I decided to do this, I said, okay, I need to find something. I need to find a job over there. I need to make it. So I was a journalist. I said, okay, like everything about being a correspondent for French media in the USA would be cool. Yeah. And will be doable. And on top of this, I was like, okay, you want to live in America. You want to try this. There's no boundaries. So at the same time, it would be super cool to be a sports photographer. And it was a combination about the fact, like, I love sport. I love photography. I was like, okay, you're a journalist, you're writing, you're a good journalist in France. But if you go in the USA, you won't be able to be as as good as a journalist in English English language. That's not Mm -hmm. my mother language. So it will take me a while to compete with you guys, with any American-born journalist. So I was like, if I use the photography, if I use the image, it doesn't matter, like my accent is not good. It doesn't matter, like it will be my my eloquence and writing in, in English won't be as good as writing in French. There's no writing, that's the image. So right. it was like the idea of like photography can be a good trade for me. I can work for French media. And at some point, if I can make it good, I can work also for uh, American media because that's image, you know, I want, you know, I can be as good as an American born guy because that's not worth it stuff. And, and that's the same. I love sports. And I, I love MLB, I love NBA, NFL, etc. And I was NBA is very popular in France, so I can start to move there or to work there, and sell my NBA photography to French media who really love the NBA. Right. So it was a combination of like, dream big. So I love sport. It would be super cool to be at this sports event and have the first row and doing what you know. It's not a job anymore when you love it so much. Right. Uh, and at the same time, it makes sense in business and financial wise. It was making sense to sw- to um, switch from the writing to the photography to the image. And so that was a combination of stuff. And so I quit my job. Basically, I quit my job. I bought some equipment. I trained myself. And and voila. And there it was. Yeah. So, so you, you, you started out, did you start out, I mean, shooting for the NBA right away or? 
No, I started by doing any any job, any photography job I could do in French, covering right. any sport. So I cover everything. I started by basketball in France for sure. Right. I, but I did everything, uh, any, everything you you name it, I did it. Like soccer, obviously, right. which we call football in Europe. You know, this. Right. Uh, right. basket basketball, rugby, uh, track and field, uh, boxing. I did everything. I also did like corporate portraits. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you're not bad, you can do it, etc. It pays really well, you know. Yeah. You yeah. go to a company in France and you you shoot all the CEO, VP, etc. You have like you know, and you get it get like basically you do you do a couple of of these and you get you have a month's month's payday. You know, it's it's really right. cool. Um, so I did everything with a focus on basketball because I had the plan to shoot the NBA, and when I I started to train myself, and at first you go there. You shoot and you hope you're going to sell to some media, but it was, it was tough at, at the beginning. But I was still as a freelancer. I was still writing uh, uh, papers on, on, uh, for, the, for, for French magazine about information security and so, software and, and right. hardware. So I was paying the bill with my writing as a freelance and train myself as a photographer. And it, it kind of, you know, I started to be not bad. I was, I was doing stuff. I was covering the Paris basketball team And after one season, they were like, we like what you do. So we want you to be the official team photographer. So I started to be the official team photographer of the Paris basket, uh, basketball team. And then I, after one year doing photography, sports photography, I feel myself confident enough to go to one um, uh, basketball media like in France and to tell them, okay, I'm going to go. Sometime I'm going to, uh, to the USA to cover IT convention as a journalist. Right. When, I'm, when I'm here, I can maybe shoot an NBA game for you guys. Right. They check my portfolios. They like what, they, 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 they like what I, I was doing. So they told me, okay, let, let's try it. And that's how it started. It started like slowly like this. Right. I was traveling back and forth between France and the USA. And I was shooting NBA games and I was saying to French media, and it took a few years like this until I decided I had enough like income to mm -hmm. move for good to the USA. Right. And, and, uh, and since, uh, sorry for interrupting, no. since 2012, basically, I'm not writing anymore. I'm a full-time NBA, I'm a full-time sports photographer since 2012. No kidding. And when did you meet Chris Douglas? Uh, We had friend, we had friend in common, but basically I follow. I somebody posted something about him. That's how I found out about his work, and I really love his work like so much. So I start following up, and uh, you know I I might have complimented about this work one or one or two times, and uh, we had some friend in common, and at the same time we met for the first time when he came to Tennessee because he has roots in Tennessee. Right. And two years, two years ago, in December 2020, my wife and I, we bought a, a place in Tennessee with, with um, the goal of moving from California to Tennessee this year, actually. We just, I'm in Tennessee right now. We oh, you are? Okay. To, yes, we, mo we moved this. We empty nester since this month, and we moved to Tennessee this month, actually. My wife is still in L.A. figuring some stuff and, and spending a little time with our older, uh, younger son, but he's going to West Point at the end of the month, and she moved, she, she's going to come like in a, in a couple of weeks. And uh, so he, at some point, he was in Tennessee. I was in Tennessee. He was really close to where we live, and right. we decided to meet, and we met like this, and like instant. I mean, you cannot 
not love Chris. He's a great yeah. guy. So that's how we, how we met. Like, it was like everything, like, like click. And he was crazy enough. He's a great photographer. He was crazy enough to ask me to um, be a model for some shooting for Filsom last year. So I went to Montana. He showed me, which I was very honored and flattered. I told him, you, you, I'm doing it for you because, okay, I can be cool, etc. cetera. I mean, I'm not a model. I don't know how to pose, <laughs> et cetera. You know, so... Yeah. Anyway, that's how we met. We met. We met through friends. Oh, well, we are friends in common. We are an Instagram connection. Instagram connection, and then we met in real life in Tennessee. Yeah. And I, I had the chance to to go to his place in Montana. Yeah. So, so you say you're not a model, but I mean, you know, you you've got you you know you've got your own style. You got a very cool style. Uh, yeah. And you know, in, in pictures I've seen you on social media, I mean, they look like model shots. I mean, I I, I posted one earlier just to, today, just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your episode will be dropping and stuff. Um, you know, is this something, you know, your style that developed, you know, just over time, it became more prevalent, you know, as you, as you, you know, got more into your art of photography and that kind of stuff. Cause I, I like how, I mean, you wear a lot of rings, uh, you know, um, and then, and then we got to talk about your Instagram handle throw your mind. Okay. Cause yeah. obviously you got this, this awesome, uh, you know, uh, Afro and, uh, mm-hmm. So um, anyway, tell us about that. How that how that developed, you know, with with just your style you've got now. And and also you 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 I think you you must love fashion because you you know, you'd seem to dress, uh, you know, these these certain ways, which are just which are cool and very individual for for you, I think. Yeah, I, the, the funny thing, to be honest, I, I don't love fashion the way some people love fashion. I, I know really mostly, I know mostly nothing about fashion okay. and most of my life. I mean. Okay, it's it still surprise it still surprised me like people find me like cool, you know. Right. I, I don't pursue to be cool or I don't pursue to be like super stylishly dressed. And, right. and people cannot believe it, but most of my life I was again, most of my life I was not the cool guy. Right. I mean I was not perceived as the cool guy. Certainly not was I was a teenager. You you see how much I talk about it, you know. Right, I couldn't right. get a girlfriend when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, like, and I was not a cool guy. I was, you know, but I always be the same. So when it comes to style, I didn't have I didn't have any style, but I was always influenced by again, I was always influenced by the, the USA, by America. Right, so right. the cowboy style was like an influence. I always loved the 70s. Yes. And I love, you know, I love everything about the 70s, like the, the clothes and stuff. And it's when I really moved for good to the USA, like 10 years ago. I tr- I've been traveling for 20 years, a little more than 20 years. But I moved for good when my business, when I could have, make a living here. I moved for good 10 years ago, a little bit, well, 10 years ago. And the thing, like, that's part of what I love in America. If you, if I, well, the way I dress, when I go to France in Paris, the way I dress, People look at me in Paris, but they look at, at me not necessarily with a smile, but with mockery a lot of times, <laughs> Ex- except when I dress really classic, you know, if I have right. like a nice made in Italy suit, etc. fine. If right. I, I have a polo, like today I have a white polo, nothing, nothing special, special. Right. But, but every time I, I put my, my cowboy hat on, every time I have one of my vintage uh, uh, Wrangler shirt or right. stuff like this, you can be sure people like, look at me like, huh. Look at this clown. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Look at this. What he's doing. That's a, that's a French way. You know, right. as much as I love the homeland and the pays I was born right. in, that's a French way. Right. Kind of judgmental. Kind of right. snob. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, you look like a clown. You, you look ridiculous. Right. You come to the USA, 
I started to like here. I can find vintage shirt like for for ten twenty bucks. My Wrangler shirt they're not expensive. I start honestly. I dress like the like the kid was in love with the country. I dress like the the character in the books and the movie and the TV show I love. Right. I dress like this, and you have this freedom in this country because some people can find like oh this guy is kind of a little ridiculous or over the top. But most of people and that's the American way. I said oh that's cool in yes. in this country. It's very frequent, like people say, oh, I love your shirt, or I love your boots, or I love this, this, this. It never yeah. happened in France. It never <laughs> happened in France. People don't say this to other people. Right. You will never be in a place in France and having a bartender or anybody or the guy sitting next to you, the woman saying to you, oh, I love your vest. Right. We don't compliment people like this. In right. this country, this country, the USA, we do this, which yeah. I love. There's a, the social connection in this country is actually pretty strong. And I love these people talk to each other on a daily basis. So people compliment each other. Yeah. And, and me, I'm just being myself. I'm like, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm dressing like one of the Duke's guy, Duke's boy from Duke's of Hazard. Or right. I'm dressing kind of like a cowboy or a mix of stuff. Right. Or like a cool, cool dude from the 70s. Right. My, Afro, my Afro is not like a fashion statement, for instance. Right. Until 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, I was going to the barbershop every four weeks. So I have the bus cut my entire life. Right. And just with the, the, the thought like, oh, long hair will not look good on me. 10 years ago, I just decided, I'm just tired to go to the barbershop all the time. And as soon as it's a little too long, right. I'm going, I'm going to let it grow. Right. That's why I did it. It's not like, oh, I want to be uh, have a big afro and look cool. I right. did it because I was fed up with going to the barber shop. Right. And it, <laughs> it happened after some time. It took six, seven months to look kind of cool right. and good, but I like it. And yeah. then it, it's a smile magnet, especially in this country. So many people, white, black, young, old, women, men, boys, girls, right. they like, it makes them smile. It makes them like having a memory of the old time, having a memory right. of picture. I think people say, oh, you look like, you look like Jimi Hendrix. You look like a, a Jim Scott Aaron. You look like a Lenny Kravitz. And, and, right. and, oh, and guy come to me, even white guy come to me, who had, who had the old um, Afro, Jewish Afro, you know. And right. so, oh, back in the day, the high school in the 60s and 70s, I was just like you. And that's funny. That's kind of sometimes old men, bald, etc. Right. So, he attracts something very good, but basically I dress and my style is like living my dream and living in this country. So it's kind of a little childish, to be honest, from my perspective, <laughs> to be honest, because right. I'm dressing like when I was 89 years old, seeing something on TV and wish like, oh, I wish I could get this outfit when I was 90 years old right. as an outfit, you know, and now I'm dressing like this and yeah. not caring about what people think. And yeah. it happened like, yeah, most of people like it. Yeah, that's so cool. Because, I mean, a couple of things that come to mind is is like what you said, like Dukes of Hazard. because I think of that sometimes because you, you'll wear bell bottoms and stuff. But then I also think Mod Squad. I think Link yeah. from Mod Squad. I don't know if you remember that show or not. But um, so talking never, about ta talking about the 70s, though, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, never show this, uh, this show. Never show this show. I, like, people talk about it, but it was not here in France. So, okay. So I have a lot of... Uh, American re cultural references because I love the country. So I went deep in books and TV show right. and, and, and my entire life and then internet come and then right. you can learn about everything. But there's a lot, there's some cultural references I didn't grow up with. Obviously I grew up in France. So I've been told many times, but I don't know the show. Yeah. 
so the other thing about seventies is you, do you, do you still have a, 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 um, a 69 super V? Yes. Yes, I do. I will, ne- I will never sell this car. How long have you had that? Uh, this car, I have it for, oh, it should be like four, five years now. Okay. And, and- five years. I, I also had a 1968 Chevrolet SS, but it was a restoration uh, car, really good when I bought it. And some stuff were not done well. And I actually moved it to Tennessee, but I sold it two two uh, two months ago because I didn't want like to to spend the money on it to get it back to uh, to uh, to 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 what it should be. But the '69 Dodge Super, we have it for four years. It's original machine number, oh. and uh, of course, I put the Dixie horn in it, even if it's not the General Lee from the Dixie Avda. Right. But, yes, I got I got my I got my Mopar. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. And how long how long have you wanted one of those? Is that it? It's part of the stuff, you know. You grow up. My my father loves Starsky and Hutch. Yes, yes. So there's, a Fort, there's a Fort Torino. Yep. Uh, there's a Dukes of Adar. Uh, uh, there's a General Lee from Dukes of Adar. I grew up with this car. Grew up watching Bullet. I, I grew up watching this movie and the muscle car era. But for a long time, I didn't really know exactly what was the car, etc. Remember back in the day, we watch a TV show, a movie, you see a car, you cannot Google anything. Right, you know? right, exactly. So, so for a long time, I had no idea. And and for a long time, then you can see some Ford Mustang in France, some people. But it takes it, it's, it, it takes you a lot of money to get a, a like a classic car. In fact, so I never thought about it, and I moved to this country. Right, and especially in California, you can easily buy a classic in a really good shape. And then right. suddenly, yeah. So so as soon as I move it for good, I think one year after, yeah, one year after I moved for good. I bought myself a 1969 Mustang, you know, and then it went like you know. So I was not thinking for a long time you could actually have this car and drive this car i was like okay back in the 70s sure right. 60s, 70s yeah and I, I i realized like living in the usa like yes yeah, some people have this car and my car are not garage queen they are they are daily driver i drive my car so that's yeah that's the best part of it yeah um so one of my favorite cars of all time is is a 68 chevelle my my good friend uh from high school he had one it had a 396 in it and was, I mean, th- those cars were like, they're like 10 second cars from the factory. I mean, they were, yeah. they were amazing, amazing yeah. cars, but uh, yeah, it's uh that's super cool. And the super B now the super B is, is, is tell us a little bit about the super B. Cause it's, it's, it's like the, it's like the charger, right? The super B. Yeah. It's actually a B body type. So it's kind of the same body type as a, as a, as a the charger. And the funny thing is like, I got my car for thirty thousand dollars in California, and it was a good, a good price because yes. it's a nineteen sixty nine original machine number. Man. Everything is original in it except the paint. Uh, paint job has been done ten years before I bought it, and I'm doing a paint job right now because the paint job was not super good. It was not bad, bad, but it was not super good. Right. It was the original color, which is dark green, code F eight, and I'm redoing it like, like like it's supposed to be like a great one that's right. why the car the car is still in california i should get it by the end of this month yeah original machine number not perfect inside you know like you know the scratches and thing inside the car but that's a bench seat that's just a fantastic car the, the, the feeling i love my Chevelle. right and the Chevelle is kind of like something super sexy about the Chevelle. Yes. And, you know it was all my car has, has to be manual transmission and you have like four on the floor you get the first gear the second gear yeah. and the car jump i had, yeah. a, a three, I had the 396 I, yeah. I love it i would get to, I, I will i'm gonna get a chevelle again at some point in my life but 
the super beast more like you know it's kind of this cool car this big steering wheel you have the bench yes. seat you can put your 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 right arm on the bench seat you drive yep. it <laughs> i just did something on the super beast at the normal shift shifter and i get the, the pistol grip shifter oh which yeah is, yeah so i had to make this change so i have the pistol so you put this pistol grip in your hand just cool the car can go fast it's not as it's a 383 so it's not right. as like <clears throat> as a as a chevel but i i love the car so there's a feeling driving and the power of steering on the super b amazed me all the time yeah because at the 1969 car and yeah. you can drive this car with your finger with one finger yeah it's so <laughs> cool you know so it, i i love it and i, I put like a, an audio system in it i had the original radio club so it was like working off on and off i put a, a an audio modern audio system but like hiding because i don't want to see anything modern this right. car, you know right. I, i just can connect like an, a little Uh, iPod, you know, and I play my music. Right. And then when I drive this car and I put in my Waylon Jennings, Hidden <laughs> Clearwriter Revival, the yeah. Led Zeppelin, etc., it's kind of like it's a time travel machine. It's it's yeah. fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. I, I always say my wife is doing a lot of yoga. She's like she's a you know she's as a routine. She does yoga like every day. Yeah. She work out, does yoga. She's it's it's fantastic for this and the routine is discipline and. She needs to do her yoga. That's what makes her like feel better. And, and, right. and she's a hard worker and she's, right. you know, she's a dedicated woman to everything she does in, in, a, in, in the writing. She's a writer. She's a fantasy writer. And I always tell her, like me, I jump in my car. I go for a ride. I put my music. <laughs> that's my yoga. Yeah. You keep, you, and she understands it. She yeah. does one hour, one hour of yoga. If anything is, you know, she has a lot of work and it, blah, blah, blah. She does one hour of yoga. She's good to go for 24 hours. I'm yep. Like, I'm going to drive, I'm going for a drive for half an hour. I'm good for, for 10 days. So yeah. if I do this every day, I'm just smiling, like smiling man I am every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, no that, doubt. Yeah. It's funny. Um, You know, you, you mentioned like you, $30,000 for a 69 Super B with yeah. uh, matching serials, numbers and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a, a great price. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've seen some of the, some of the Chevelles I know have gone for, you know, 60, 80,000, yeah. you know, crazy. Yeah. But my buddy that had that one in the sword, we're talking 1974. We were in high school and he yeah. had a, uh, um, he had that Chevelle. He paid $1,500 for it back then. <laughs> But I, I, people, people saw like the charger, like, you know, people would keep a Dodge charger for a long time, a 69 Dodge charger for a long time. And sold it in the eighties right. or nineties right. because it was time, you know, okay, yes. I get it all. They regret it so much oh, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much. You have a Dodge Charger you bought for three thousand dollars back in the day. You yeah. sell it for sixty-five, seventy thousand yeah. dollars. You yeah. regret it so much. But that's a crazy thing with the Charger. It's kind of it's even overpriced because if my it's a bit my 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 super it's a B body type. It looked kind of a Charger. I like yeah, it the way yeah. it did. Yeah. Look like the Charger. That's a B body type. If it was a Charger. The same one, original machine number from 69. Yeah. It will it will it will be seventy five, eighty thousand dollars right away. That's yeah. the same car. That's kind yeah. of basically the same car. It's kind of yeah. I, I want to charge her at some point. That's my, the the nineteen sixty charger is my dream car. Yeah. Well, you so know, it's, I it, it's funny because I, I remember when the when they, when Super Bs were were brand new. I mean, when they you know, because I I think was, I, I can't remember the first year they made them, but I remember seeing them and just thinking that's got to be a super special car. because it's, it's got that super B on the back yeah. and, and it yeah. says super B on it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's part of the cool stuff about America yeah. is stuff like this. When I started to, to learn 
back in the day, they car called Charger, Super B, yeah. like yeah. Roadrunner. You like yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's kind of <laughs> super cool. Yeah, so, you know. no doubt. So, so hey, let's shift gears here to the PBR. <clears throat> when did you first start uh, doing photography for the PBR? Because I mean, you, you've got some amazing, amazing photos and stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this. Uh, you know, uh, started four years ago now, four okay. years ago, and he, he, it was like it was for one reason. And I love, I love everything about the PBR. Very, very grat grateful for them, and always glad to talk about the PBR, the organization, and the cowboy everything. I kind of wanted. Okay, I grew up with this love of cowboy. I grew up in France, etc. I've been like a, a, an IT journalist, and I'd be a sports photographer. And at some point, I wanted to know much more about the Western culture, much right. more like what I know by book. And since I move here and since I travel, I travel a lot in the West, you know, right, right. Uh, all the way to Montana, Wyoming, et cetera. We actually own a place with my wife in Montana, not far away from, from Chris Douglas. We, we own a place in, in Bozeman. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to know more about the culture, not by in the book. I was living in the country. So I was like, I need to find a way. And at one time, I, I saw a one picture of a of a bull after after the the rider was back from the bull and it was a great picture and I saw these bulls and actually the funny thing I didn't know for a long time like I knew about rodeo right I didn't know they were like cowboy were riding bulls right when I learned about this I was like what <laughs> yeah, you know a, yeah. a bull right You're okay, right a right. bull and then I saw the bull because that's not the bull you saw in Spain. Because right. I've been to Corrida in the south of France when I was a kid with my my father. Father, yeah. so I saw like bull in Corrida. The bull from the PBR they have huge. Yeah. So basically, I was like, okay, I'm a sports photographer. That's a good opportunity to to approach this culture and to learn by you know being there first. Right. Right. So I contact I contact the PBR one time. I was in Denver. I was about to go to Denver to shoot in the Denver Nuggets uh, NBA team for one week, doing a few games over, over there. And I, I, I realized, I was looking at the schedule of PBR, and I realized in uh, South, uh, Sioux Falls, Sioux, South Sioux Falls, I never know how to say it, South Dakota. Yeah, yeah, Sioux Falls, yeah. <laughs> Sioux Falls, yeah. yeah. My yeah. accent again. Uh, there was a PBR event just after I was ending my week of NBA games. So I contacted the PBR and I said, look, I'm a sports photographer in France in the USA and I shoot worldwide. I'm mostly specialized in NBA photography, but I shoot a lot of sports. Uh, I'd like to cover one of your events, you know, not from a media for, per se, right. but uh, I have contact with a, a photo agency. So all my photos are going to go to an agency right. and the photo going to go to uh, Associated Press, Kitty Image, everywhere, you know. Right. So I, I can provide coverage, but I'm not on assignment from a, from a media. And they immediately say, oh, you're welcome. Yes, with pleasure. You, you know, yeah, yeah, come. So I drove from Denver. I drove to Denver to South Dakota. And the funny thing, I drove in the middle of a snow, not a snowstorm. My <laughs> one was a snowstorm. It was crazy in the middle of the night, etc. And I went to cover PBR. And from the get-go, I love everything about it. But like yeah. everything. I love the sports. I love the culture. But I need to, to give like credit also for the organization, for 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 top to bottom, this is wonderful people. Yeah, and I've been covering sport for for more than sixteen years now, all over the world, and I have contact with a lot of of uh, professional league and association, etc. And they are like above all of them. See, right. it's a level of profit because for one thing, I say many times, the value they use for advertising and marketing right. in PBR, they 
it's not just marketing and advertising. Right. So there's no, there's no bullshit. They live by this value right. and everything in the organization buys this value. So right. they are just fantastic, great people. Yeah. And if I do the comparison for the, with the NBA, for instance, and I know a lot about the NBA for having covered the NBA for 16 years, right. the values they promote, et cetera, it's, it's just like to use, right. to use them. It's, it's not honest. Right. It's really not honest. So, uh, and you kind of like at some point, you know, you're not naive. You're like, yeah, it's business. You're right. going to push stuff who look good for you. Right. And you're going to push what you do good. And you could push like sometimes empty less, empty, empty, empty slogan about right. stuff, you know, because you want to attract people because that's in the mood right, right. now, you know, right. you see what I mean? Like they do no, a lot yeah. of stuff about, they do a lot of stuff about racism, like two years ago, etc. Yeah. You know, they just think like, because we have a lot of black players, you know, you right. we legit as an right. anti, no, they are not really like, they are not much anti-racist like other, other organizations or anything. They use it. Right, you know? right. The, exactly. the PBR, they are normal people. They don't have like to show off stuff, yeah. you know, because it's cool. They do what, you know, they, 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 they live by value and they promote their value, but they are true. They are real. That's what they do. They have a fantastic advertising campaign. I say three years ago, two years ago, with a slogan which was "Be Cowboy." Okay? Right. Yeah. You, you know, they still use it. Some they use, they still use it. Like you go to the PBR event, and before it starts, you have on the on the big screen, you have this little video clip, "Be Cowboy." Right. And. That's exactly who they are. And yep. they talk about the fact, and that's kind of like your podcast also, but like the cowboy in each of ourselves, you know. Exactly. And it's not necessary. It's not necessary about the spurs. That's what they say in the, in the video clips. It's not necessary about the spurs, the art, or the way you live. It's the way you live, the value right. you pursue. And they are like this. So they make this like, you feel like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm part of this. With, yep. Again, me, I have a lot of admiration. I'm no cowboy in the way like, the rider of, of right. PBR. I'm right. not cowboy in a way like the people in Montana, people in Wyoming. I know real cowboys, so I'm not cowboy in this way. Right. But at least I live some through some value. I try to put these people in the spotlight, uh, you know, because they deserve it. And that's what PBR, PBR, that's what they are. Yes. Yeah. So what they do is what they are. So yeah. I, I'm trying, to, I try to, to do this to approach the culture. And I, I never left because they are fantastic people. And to this day, I love, I couldn't because of I have college graduation for my older son, etc. I couldn't do the last PBR World Finals in Fort Worth, unfortunately. But I'm I'm back. I'm back at PBR event as soon as I did start again this summer. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I talk about it all the time on the podcast, and like you said, you know, our our tagline is uh, "Modern Cowboys," the brand for the cowboy and all of us. You know, not everybody can, you know, grow up on, uh, you know, a 10,000 acre ranch. Not everybody's going to be JB Mooney, you know, but we live vicariously through this, just like somebody yeah. does in the NBA. You know, they, they watch their favorite player. I mean, I'm five mm -hmm. foot seven, so I'm, I'm probably yeah. not going to be getting, you know, called up the NBA anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that being said, the, the PBR, like you talk about the, their marketing is so authentic and real and yeah. the people in the PBR, the, the bull riders, I've, I've had, uh, I've had Ross Coleman on. I met Ross one time mm -hmm. in, in down in Decatur, you know, uh, and you just talk about, I mean, just, I mean, a humble guy. And this guy's a man's man. I mean, hardcore cowboy. Yeah. And yeah. Luke, Luke Snyder, I'm, I'm having Luke on again next week. I had him on before, but I'm having Mox. We're going to talk about the PBR teams. So with the PBR teams now, you know, these guys are, 
getting salaries, they're getting paid, you yeah. know, in, in, so, and I think that's, you know, part of the success of, of the PBR too, is like you say, they're, they are so authentic and real and the people are so great. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, in, in, it's like, talk about using, you know, racism to be dis, uh, you know, to, to, to cause, you know, separation or problems or uses a narrative mm-hmm. to advance something. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the, the cowboy world, you know, I mean, look at the PBR. I mean, look at all the Brazilians we got in, yeah. in there, you know, <laughs> these guys yeah. are, are some badass cowboys, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. anyway, it's, it's a, it's a great culture, you yeah. know, and uh, it's, just a positive, cool. it's, a, it's a positive culture also. It's something yeah. like very, very, I never, you know, for <clears throat> sorry, for a long time, for a long time, when I when it was, it was tough at some at some point to to grow up my business, you said right. to live in another country and to start, and you know, I was back in France for a long time, so I, I had like difficult time, and because I love my job and I love what I do, when I was uh, taking my spot on the floor at NBA games, I was I forget about everything, you know, and right. I was I was happy because of the game, you know, right, right. But the difference with PBR is like the minute I go to the event, before it starts, and before I get even on the dirt, you know, and yeah. behind the fence, of course, on the dirt, I, I, I love everything about it. It's yeah. like, I, I really, until the moment I start shooting, yeah. it's really like I just got a ticket, am I getting there and I'm happy to go? Like everybody in the stand who come there with the, the, the family, they're happy. I'm, we're going to go to a PBR event, that's cool. Yes. And I have, this, I have this feeling until the minute I start to shoot, I'm like, because I'm not here to, to work. Right. And with the NBA, for instance, or for NBA of the, of the sports, I love the sport. So I love when I start to, but when I get there, it's, it's business, you know, I, right. get, I get to, I get to work, I right. get to the job, I get to the office. In the, right. Uh, and for PBR, it's like, I'm going to the PBR event. Yeah. And yeah. it's just at some point I'm like, oh yes, I, am, I need to, I need to work now. But yeah. Where, and I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing happy faces and I'm seeing friends all around the place. And, yeah. You know, I can say hi to everybody, to, to Matt West, one of the PBR, Matt and Clint, the PBR announcer, to Flint Rasmussen, to, right. to all the bullfighters. I mean, the bullfighter, come on. Yeah. These are the badass, even <laughs> uh, them and the rider, but let's put, let's put the spotlight on the bullfighter. Yeah. The bullfighter are the baddest athletes in the world. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. I mean, they protect. Right, does it protect cowboy yeah. from a bull? From a bull, which is a, a beast, which yeah. is a beast, a mean, a mean beast, yeah. and and a, and, a, and a wonderful athlete by itself. Also, the, the livestock are wonderful. So there's something about this, and that matter. It's also a matter of life and death. Yeah, it, no, how many, it how, many is. how many sports you have? Like you know, I shot NBA when they have like a sore back, they don't play. Okay. Right. Right. But some players have a sore back, they don't play. <laughs> right. I shoot guys who basically had a cast on their wrist and were yeah. writing a boot writing a boot. <laughs> right. That's why you just cannot not be like, wow. Yeah. To this guy. But it takes to and, and, and with a humility, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. Which is yeah. incredible. So yeah. I mean great, great sport, great sport because great culture. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And that's what that's why I get with the Western culture. I travel a lot in the West, and I get to to approach and I get to know about this culture. I get to I get to know about the people, and it's just great people. This is yeah. just great, genuine people, and the culture will go around because it's a culture of hard work. It's a culture of gratitude. It's a culture of art. 
you know, it's it just a culture of doing what needed to be done, not complaining about it. And it's a lesson for all of us, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lesson doubt. for us. It, it's, you know, be cowboy. Yeah, if you yeah. try to be cowboy in your life at anything you do, yep. you're going to do better for yourself. Yep, no doubt. Chris, I'll tell you, man, the time's just flown by. We're, all, we're already at, uh, at almost an hour. I'm, I'm going to have to have you on another time because there's a lot of the stuff right. I want to I want to talk to you about, definitely. But I got to ask. I, t- I talk too much. I no, too no, much. no. You're, you're great. <laughs> I, I absolutely loved it. But I got to ask you these three questions because I ask everybody yes. on the podcast. Uh, do you have a favorite brand of cowboy hat? Uh, that's really, that's really tough. That's really tough. This, there's a few people, uh, I would say Rand's, Rand's in Montana. Okay. Uh, in yeah, Montana. Rand's hat. Yep. I know. But, but you know, there's a lot of people I love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. But if I put one, I'm going to put them also for, for the history of it. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How about boots? You got a favorite brand of boots? Lucchese. Lucchese. Okay. Very yeah. nice. And and how about Western movies? You got a favorite Western movie, cowboy movie? Uh, it's 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 really tough. Also, I would say Open Range. If I if I have to put one, I would yeah. say Open Range. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. A, that is a, that is a great movie. Matter of fact, I just yeah. put it in my uh, in my to watch queue the other day on Amazon Prime because I haven't seen it in a while. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a very good movie. Well, Chris, hey man, I'll tell you, I I really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, I, like I said, I'm gonna definitely have to have you on again because there's a lot more stuff we could talk about, and and I'd, I'd like to get into it. But uh, congratulations on your move to uh, to Tennessee, and congratulations on your son going to West Point. That's yeah, that's quite a quite a uh, yeah. ach- achievement. Yeah, well, yeah, two yeah. of them. One one is going to West Point, and one just graduated from Dallas SMU and gonna start his first job in New York City, and, and they are everything. Everything to me, Patrick and Thomas, great, great men, and I contribute like to to read them as men. So that's yeah. that's my pride. That's my pride in the in this world. That's awesome. And then your wife, she is a uh, she's a novelist, right? A writer. Yeah, Gigi Levenci. Mm-hmm. She's a fantastic writer. Seven multiple time New York Times bestseller. She wrote a movie back in the day called Stepmom with, oh, okay. uh, with uh, Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And uh, she's working on a lot of script uh, right now, a lot of good story. And she's actually working on the Bull Rider story. So there oh. might be like a movie come like, you know, my wife wrote about like, you know, it's, I don't want to say too much about gotcha. it. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Jinx it, et cetera. Yes, yeah. But she, she's, she's fantastic. And she's way more funny and interesting than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't get a girlfriend my, uh, for when I was young and look at me now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she's, she's a 10. She's yeah. a 10. Yeah. It's perfect. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, Hey man, again, thanks for coming on and we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely get your schedule. We'll have you back on on the podcast again. And then uh, I'm, I'm probably going to, we'll probably meet in person one of these days. We, you never know. With we may, pleasure. we may meet in, my, my wife, She's wanted to get a place in Tennessee for a long time. And uh, we were just talking about it again the other day. So, and we've got a lot of friends there. We got a lot of friends there. Yeah. I've had a lot of guests on from there. A lot of uh, country music artists and stuff. Trent Wilmont, whose song we use on the mm-hmm. podcast, he's there. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, but I definitely, I would love to meet you in person. I'd I like to go for a ride in that Super B. Yes, with pleasure. You yeah. got to come. You stay at my place. I only have 40 acres. That's not like a big ranch, like, you know, but I love it. And you stay at my place and you, we're going to, Drink some bourbon and, uh, and drive my Super B, for sure. There, there you go. All right, Chris. Well, hey, man, have a great day, and then uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much. You bet. Every Friday afternoon, 
hitch up the trailer Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler I'd drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs $20,000 horses then there's my own stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in To the roping pen Well, I ain't no play your speed But I give her hell Think I never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle and philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money you were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pin And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends No matter who wins down at the roping pen Well, I ain't no play your speed But I give her hell You never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn another pin of steers Tell a few more lies Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down.